And everybody here with the back? Yes. Well, it's great to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Well, come on, let's have a smile. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Yes. Amen. Um, just to give you up an update, which is his good news, Thomas now has his own accommodation. He got it last Wednesday. And he's also starting a college course in Liverpool College, doing electrical for two years, hopefully to move forward from that. Uh, and to say that it's been difficult is an understatement. And the release when he left was quite amazing, because now we have our lives back. So we'll just keep on praying for him, because alcohol is not a condition that goes away. It always can rear its head at any time or any day. And we just pray that things will begin to move forward for him. He's not a Christian. People, many people, I know you have, and I thank you for that. Many people have prayed for him, and we just continually pray that one day he, well, I know he will be saved, because people have been praying for him, and that's great. Okay, now we looked at that great chapter on faith. And it says there in 6, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because we know that we know that Jesus is alive. We've never seen him, but we know that he's alive because he, he lives in our lives and the Holy Spirit that's in our lives enables us to do that. But what I'd like to look at with that, with that passage on faith is to look at an Old Testament scripture. And I'd like you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30 and a great chapter when David was faced with overwhelming odds and yet God was with him. 1 Samuel chapter 30, I'm beginning to read at verse 1. This is David's conflict with the Amalekites. The Amalekites were a very strong force in those days. And they'd gone down to Ziklag, where David was at this present time, and, um, and they met with opposition. And this so, this so often happens in the Old Testament. Remember when Gideon was faced with the Midianites, and remember how the, old, the overwhelming odds were so stacked against Gideon, and yet Gideon was able to be used by God because the Midianites turned from each other. And then remember, um, I mean, I'd love to be in that then, when David went out to meet Goliath, and Goliath was this big strong man, and David was a young boy, and yet God spoke <clears throat> and killed Goliath because God was with David. And that's so important for each one of us today, that God is with us in this church. Whatever we face as individuals, whatever we face as a church, God is with us. And when you look at this passage, you see that God was with us, not only in our generation, but in David's generation as well. Let's read verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, that the Malachites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had taken captive the women and those who were there. From small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men uh, were in the city, and there it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Abinol the Jezreelites, and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelites, had been taken captive. 
And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Sorry, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abinadab the priest, Amalek's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to, to David. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men who were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those stayed were left behind. But David pursued he and four hundred men, for two hundred stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. Then they found an Egyptian in the field, and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs, and the two, two clusters of, of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread, nor drunk water, for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind, because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethries, in the territory which belongs to Judah, and of the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Can you take me down to this troop? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me, nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will, and I will take you down to this troop. And when he brought him down, there they were, spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David attacked them from the twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped, except four hundred. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, neither small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them, because David had recovered all. And we trust that God will speak to us through this word this morning. Now imagine if you're coming back into Ziglag, or imagine if you're coming into the city of Liverpool, and you find that, as it says, um, and as it says in verse four, that David and the people with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. They came to a city that was burning. They came to a city where there were no wives, where there were no sons, and there were no daughters. So the city was empty, and the and the place was burning with fire. And the Amalekites, as I've said before, who were a strong nation, as we see in Joshua, Amalekites were people that were a force to be reckoned with. And these were people that had burned down Ziglag. And David must have thought, what can I do? Because I just don't know where my, where my family are. And he was not exempt because he had two wives, as it says in verse 5. 
So David and the two wives, Abinol the Jezreelites, and Abigail the widow of Nabal, and had been taken captive. So they had been taken captive along with the rest of the group that David was in control with. So David was greatly distressed. So were the rest of the people. And obviously you think about faith. You think about, well, where is God in this? How can David be used, how David's faith can be used to bring glory to God himself? And it says, as it says that David was greatly distressed, but it also says that all the other people were distressed. And it says, every man for his sons, but David, and it says the people spoke a stone in him because they had no more power to weep, as they said in verse 4. And that's what normally happens when there is a problem. The problem is that the people, they have no more power to weep. All their sons, all their daughters, all their wives had gone. So then they blame people. That's what happens. They blame people. And David, because he was ahead of the group, he was the one that was going to get the blame. Because as we just said in verse in verse um, in verse five, it says, sorry, verse six, the people spoke of stoning him. And they were not small stones, they were large stones. They wanted to kill David because he was the one that was in charge. And so I asked myself this question, because David, um, because David was, was one being stoned, what could he do? Could he, shall we say, curl up and hide in a corner? Should he go and strengthen his name in the Lord? Or what would he do? And this happens, doesn't it? Because we always blame the people who are at top. And that happens in football managers, doesn't it? Now, I'm sure the Man United supporters are not very happy with the manager of Man United, the way they are performing at the moment. You know, and they're asking for Glazier's head and everything else. And because he got hammered yesterday, 4-0. Man, Liverpool didn't do very well last weekend, so I'm not saying anything about that. But what I'm saying to you is this that David was the one that was going to be blamed. And David had a choice. What was he to do? And it says in verse 6, and this is, a, this is very important, it says in verse 6, that David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And whatever you and I face as individuals or as a church, and we all have individuals, we all have issues, yes, August is a holiday month, but September will be soon here, and all the activities will start again. And you grow strength in the Lord, because God was with David, and God is with Croxton Baptist Church. I don't care what anyone says, God is with this church. And God is going to bless this church, because it's a church that's on fire and wants to do God's will. And that's what David had to do. And so he grew strength in the Lord. And the importance of that is that he didn't do it without God. He did it with God. He did it with God's help. Because it says in verse, verse 7 that David had a priest called Amalek and they brought the ephod, which, is the, which, was the, which was the group, the place that he had to use, and he brought the ephod to, the, to David. And David asked two questions. 
And what's so important about that is that David knew the voice of God. And I'm asking you as well as I'm asking myself today, do I know the voice of God? Do I know when God is speaking to me as an individual and as a church? Because the more that we know God, the more that God will bless us. And so David asked two questions. He said, first of all, he inquired of the Lord and he said, shall I pursue this truth? In other words, shall I pursue the Amalekites? And secondly, he says, shall I overtake them? Now they are specific questions. And that's what God wants for us to do, to give him specific questions. For example, we pray for God. We pray that Matthew will have a blessed time at Bethel this morning. There's no vague words. We pray for God's blessing. We pray for God's blessing in this church. We pray for God's guidance. Shall I inquire of this truth? Shall I overtake them? And you know what's so good about God? Was that he answered. There's no other God, there's no other religion where, where God would not answer. Because every other God is dead. What really hits home to me, and I really... I was not there because I'm not that old. But remember when Elijah was with Mount Carmel. And remember how all started kicking themselves, started putting things. And, and, and Elijah said something like, oh, I'm going to be harder because they'll answer you. And they couldn't. And they lasted, and they lasted for nearly two or three days. And Elijah called on the name of God. And the Mount Carmel was burning with fire. And that was one man. And one man and God, or one woman and God, is a majority over anything else that this world gives. So God answered the question. And God will answer the question for you and for me, if we are specific. Shall I do this for the Lord? What are you telling me, Lord? What am I going to do for you, Lord? <clears throat> and be specific. I mean, one of the things that God wants us to do is to witness he wants us to witness for people. There are people around here that there are in the dingle who need the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that you have activities with young people and we praise God for that. They are people that need the gospel. Just like you need the gospel, just like I mean, how am I saved? How are you saved? Because someone spoke to me about the Lord. Because someone came to me, and I'm sure that's the same for you, whether through the scriptures, but you accepted Jesus Christ as your saviour and as your Lord, because God spoke to someone else to speak to you. And if I said to you, would you go back into the world, how many of you would say yes? Come on, everyone put your hands up. No one would put your hands up, would you? Because God is the answer. And so God answered this question immediately. It says, and he answered, pursue for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Now, where's the faith in that? Well, first of all, David did not know where the Amalekites were. Did not know where they were. <coughs> That's the first thing. The second thing was, he didn't know whether the wives and the children, the sons and the daughters, would have been killed. He didn't even know that either. But he had the faith to believe that God was with him. As it says, as we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, verse 1, without faith is impossible. But now faith is being sure of what we do not see. I don't see Jesus, but I know he is alive because he saved my life and he saved your lives. 
And so the question then was, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. So God answered David's prayer. And then what happened was, David started preparing. Because it's one thing to listen to God, but it's quite another to prepare for what God is going to do. And I don't care, whatever we are, whether whatever generation we're in, God wants us to prepare. God wants us to prepare, not in our own strength, but in the strength of God. And that's what he did. And that's as we know what happened to Gideon, because there were a lot of men, and in the end, there were 332 men that went to kill the Midianites, because God was preparing them in this world, in this situation. So David took 600 men, originally, and he went to the brook Besor, with, but then there was also difficulties. He couldn't take the rest, he couldn't take the 600, because it says in verse 10, but David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 men stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. So what were the odds of David finding the Amalekites, finding the people that had been taken and then defeating them with just 400 men, remembering that the Amalekites were people that were so strong and were in thousands. How was he going to find them? At this point, he did not know where they were. And you may not know what God's got planned for you in this church in the days to come. But you know, God knows. And then God will reveal himself at that point when the time is right. I can identify that. God said to me, you need to have your foot amputated because if you don't, you're not going to live. So <coughs> that was the choice I was given and that was the time it was so perfect and God healed me from that position. And that's so important for each, and I'm sure each one of us here has had the same similar experiences where God has brought himself to you at the right time, whether it's health, whether it's the church, whether it's employment, or whether it's neighbours, whatever it is, God was speaking to you, and his timing is so perfect. And here we have the timing is so perfect again. Because at this point, he did not know where he was going. God had said to him, you shall surely overtake them. You shall pursue this troop, and you will overcome them. And then... He finds in verse 11, in the wilderness, an Egyptian. Fancy finding an Egyptian in the wilderness. Fancy finding one man in the wilderness who was an Egyptian. If that's not God, then I don't know what is. Because that, and you know, we talk about, <coughs> excuse me, we talk about luck. It's not luck. It's the providence of God. God spoke and the Egyptian was there. And who was this Egyptian? And it says, they brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate. And then it says, and they let him drink water. And then they gave him a cake of figs, and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him. Now our strength will come back to us, but we have tea and coffee later, won't we? But you see, that is so good. Because David was brought, this man was brought to, to David. And David said to him, a question, very simple. 
To whom do you belong? And to whom do, do you belong? And where are you from? <coughs> and he said, I'm an Egyptian. And then he said, and I'm a servant of the Amalekites. And this master was not very happy, good, was he? Because he left him for dead in the desert because he had no use for him. You know, that's what happens. But God has a use for him. And whatever man may do, God has a use for anyone, whatever they are. Man, you know, God, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And the Egyptian answered the question. I wonder what David's reaction would have been when he said, when the Egyptian said, and we went to Caleb and we burned Ziklag with fire. I bet he was over the moon when that happened, didn't he? But when that happened, when he realized that these were the men that came to Ziklag and they were the ones that were fire. God had now answered David's prayer. Does God answer your prayer? How many of you say yes? <laughs> he does, doesn't he? He always answers our prayer. Sometimes we don't like it, do we? Sometimes he says no. How many of you have no? Come on, that's a bit of honesty here. We all, don't we? And how many of us said yes? But you know, when God says no, in later you realise that it was right. That it was no. Because God, in hindsight, that's what happened. And so, David now knew where the Amalekites were. And it says very clearly, and it says, can you take me down to this troop? And then the Egyptians said, but, tell, but don't bring me back into this Amalekite, because if you do, I'll be killed and I will be lost. And David said, um, and I will take you down to this troop. And he said, no, I will not take you back to your master. Now imagine what it must have been like in the Amalekites, because it says very clearly in this, it says, and when he brought them down, they were there spread out over all the land, eating and drinking. They must have been having a wonderful time, the Amalekites, wasn't they? But they did not know that there was an army coming for them. And that was David. And it says this very clearly, it says in verse 17, that David attacked them. Did he have any right to attack them? Of course he did. Because they had taken his... Their, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, and their children. And it says that David attacked them from the twilight until the evening of the next day. And not one man escaped, except obviously 400, but they rode on camels and fled. So men were killed. And some people may say, well, why did, why did God allow these men to be killed? My answer to that is because they were doing the things of sin. Because they had no time for God. And God was with David, just as he's with you. God is with you. And it says in Matthew 28, verse 20, that I am with you always. It says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 or 9, I can't remember. Be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid. For the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. Does that give you comfort? It gives me comfort. Does that give you comfort that even when we go through difficult times, God is with us? And if you look at Scripture, and you look at, at and if, you, if you've got a concordance, look how many times God says, 
I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, and I will always be with you. It says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 57, Be ye steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for your labour in the Lord is not in vain. That's marvellous, isn't it? To know that God is in this church. That God is in your life. That the Holy Spirit, which came down and came and dwells in our hearts, He now dwells in your heart. You are not alone. God is with us. And it says in verse 18, that David recovered all the Malak, all, all of the Malachites carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And it says in verse 19, that David recovered all. What was the promise that God gave David? You shall pursue this troop, you shall overtake them, and I will be with you. In verse 19 it says that David recovered all. Now as we look at this, this nation that we're in, and we just don't know what the, what's going to happen in the next six months with everything's going on, with the cost of living, with electricity and gas going up and train strikes and petrol going up. I mean, I've never known anything like it really, the way it's gone up. But you know, in all this, God is with us. In all this, God is with us and will protect us because he loves us more than we can ever imagine. And it says, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go and prepare a place for you. <coughs> That's how good God is to us. We don't deserve any of this, and yet God's given it to us all. And I want you to think of this verse. It's a tremendous verse, you know so well, it's amazing grace. And the last verse says, well, who would like to say the last verse to me? When we've been there 10,000 years, How good is that? 10,000 years. And then it says, Bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. That's how God, and because we are Christians, we are in His. He wants us. He'll never leave us. He'll never, he'll never let us down. He will protect us. And He'll be with us wherever we go. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for what this word means to us. Lord, shall I pursue this troop? Yes, you will. Shall I overtake them? Yes, you will. And then it says, and David recovered all, because God had promised that to happen. Father, I pray, Lord, for Croxteth, and I thank you for the many years that this church has been here. I thank you, Lord, for Eddie and the rest of the team. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this place. I thank you, Lord, for the growth. Thank you, Lord, for the activities. And I do pray, Lord, for this coming session because September is not that far away. And I pray, Lord, that souls will be saved and brought into this place in the days to come. There was one time that this church may have closed, but it's not closing, because you're in the midst. And I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And there also says in Scripture, 
for God is our refuge. Take my yoke upon you, for I'm easy, and rest on me. God is our refuge. God is our strength. Thank you, Lord, that you are our refuge and our strength. We praise you, Lord, and we thank you for this time together this morning. In Jesus' name.